Support for Starting Small comes from Human Scale, the leading designer and manufacturer of high-performance ergonomic products that help create a healthier work life. All of the products from chairs to standing desk and more are comfortable, easy to use, and sustainable, and great for either the office or the work from home environment. With an increase in shifting workplaces, comfort can be especially hard to find. As I run the podcast, I'm in front of my desk for hours a day, from scheduling, researching, interviewing, and more. Human Scale allows me to remain productive without the consequence of body stress to follow. Make sure to check out Human Scale at humanscale.com and use code STARTINGSMALL at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. That's code STARTINGSMALL at humanscale.com and enjoy the episode. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Danny and Alex of Kalani Bikinis, the most in-demand Australian bikini brand and designer label. While on a vacation to Hawaii, they encountered the realization that the swimwear they were purchasing had absurd prices with quality that was not meeting that price. Since launch, they have locked in their marketing strategy and have partnered with retailers such as ASOS, Tilly's, Zoomies, and many more. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Alex and Danny of Kulani Kinis. Alex, Danny, thank you guys so much for joining me today. You're welcome. We're very excited. Yeah, thank you for having us. Of course. So to kick things off, I normally do interviews with one-on-one. This is a little different, but I do want to hear both sides. So where did you guys grow up and can you kind of explain what your childhood was like? Yeah, I can. I'll take a look. So we actually grew up, uh, so we're husband and wife, if that, um, to give some context. Um, We've been together for about 12 years. Yeah. And we grew up not too far away from each other. We grew up in the southern suburbs of Sydney, which is kind of like a coastal beach town, not too small, but probably small in terms of, you know, the US and that kind of thing. Um, So very like in the suburbs for me, basically. And Alex was quite similar, but just across the bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're always a stone's throw away, but really never intersected until we were about. In our 20s is where we crossed paths at a a local gym. So that's amazing. But um, yeah, in terms of our, you know, childhood, um, very, I grew up, I have, you know, two parents very luckily that are still together. I have a brother who has um, an intellectual disability. So I um, was, you know, life was different, but challenging, but, you know, yeah. that's where I gained a lot of resilience and really, I think, had a, not a pressure, but because my brother was not able to you know, not to use the word normal, but wasn't able to achieve like most people can. I think my parents, without really realizing, put a lot of pressure on me to <laughs> overcompensate in some ways for what yes. he, he couldn't do. I think, mm. you know, that, that's been a lot of thinking to kind of get to that point, to understand where I have I have a drive, I think, which has led to the success of Kalani, which we might get to. But yeah, yeah there's, there's definitely you need kind of a consistent, persistent energy. And I often try and think of where that has come from. And I think that was ingrained in me from a very young age. Yeah, and like, just to, not to, to talk too much on Danny's behalf, but um, mm-hmm. the one thing I remember the first time I met Danny, I remember one of the first things I remember about her was like, she just worked hard and she was ambitious and she wanted to do things. And I remember like coming home from my first day and I like I was like chatting to my mom about it and I go, she goes, how was it? And I was like, this chick is off the hook. Like she <laughs> she wants to do stuff. And um, you know, Danny started working when she was like 14 years old. Yeah, you know, my, my, my parents, um, I had a, a 
not i'd say we were just normal you know nothing yeah. like um i you know didn't want for anything family, but just yeah. a normal family and yeah. you know mom and dad didn't give me everything that i wanted um and but they taught me that if you do <laughs> want goodness. yeah if you do want that you have to go out and and earn it and work for it so um mm. i started tutoring music i think at about 14 so wow. um, and i did that all the way through you know high school and university and until i had to get a, a real job you know, <laughs> a full-time job um so yeah. yeah and she can play like every instrument under the sun she can play like anything from a flute saxophone clarinet drums trumpet like wow but that all comes i don't have any i often think i'm not and super then, talented it all just comes from practice persistence and yeah. practice that's just you know and then i like to say don mclean turned up and the day the music died was when she met me <laughs> <laughs> uh, well no, yeah well alex is yeah the youngest of three yeah so, i'm yeah. the youngest of three i've got two older brothers and and just a, a like a normal family upbringing i um i didn't you know same as danny i didn't i didn't have like a particularly like you know good or bad child like it was really nice like i was very lucky i came from a really like like I think supportive and loving family. I think um, where like we've really like, you know, I think gone away from our families, like our families were very much about like the nine to five, like doing the career. And like, I think that just goes back to like having parents from that generation who were very like, you know, you go do this, you go study, you go get this career, you do the Definitely. job. Yeah, and both of our parents, like they stayed in their jobs for 30 years there was no change yeah. Risk, yeah just very kind of steady yeah, in that was, way but that that was really good you know i'm like very grateful to my parents because i think like sure. it does provide a launch pad where um you can go do stuff and, and i think I, I remember listening to a um, another podcast actually a long time ago and it was mm -hmm. a guy was talking about why he started a business and, and we were very lucky and we got we, we got to go to like school, we got to go to university, um, like your college, you know, and mm -hmm. we got to do all this stuff. We have a roof over our heads. And yeah, he kind of said to you guys, um, if anyone is to start a business in the world and try and do something, it's like that generation. It's yeah. like you know, you've been given every kind of, you know, um, every, every, every key to open every door, you just have to try, you know, Definitely. and I think like I'm always very grateful fortunate for yeah. that. But Alex, I know, was into sport. Um, his parents pushed him into that being, I guess, you know, the youngest of three boys. You had to learn your kind of. Like, I had to learn to tough to, Yeah. And yeah. I think, sport, you know, Alex did a lot of swimming. And I think that um, definitely sets, you know, when you're young, it shapes you into having sure. to get up for training, stay, um, you know, committed to something. Yeah. And just, yeah, I think that definitely your, your upbringing, your childhood influences the trajectory of where you're going yeah. so. and I, sure. my, my earliest memory of my life right this is like kind of like me to a t um <laughs> it was um i was about two and a half three years old and my my parents got like this new like back in the day a cd player which is like i don't know if everyone knows what that is now but like a cd still, player still a shiny disc a bit rainbow <laughs> yeah. holographic yeah, yeah. Like, kind of show my age but anyway like back in the day, they weren't they weren't small. They were like these like things that filled like a TV cabinet. They're like big systems, you know. Like uh, it's amazing what they've done. But anyway, in the time when my parents got the Beach Boys, and they got like the greatest hits Beach Boys out. Oh man! I, uh, like I was the you know, I was the two and a half year old. I want to push the play button. So I remember like listening to Surfing USA is like one of my like 
earliest memories and being like, no, I'll do it. And it was very much like, like <laughs> so, yeah, being so. a petulant kind of like anti-authority, like I'm going to go do this. And, and yeah. Alex with CD and he had it from his, when he was young, yeah. all the way through to when we met, we used to play it in the car. And I think at one night we were just like, let's go to Hawaii together. That's, wow. you know, that's something you want to do. So that's yeah. where I think, yeah, Alex, I'd never been and Alex was playing, um, you know, he would play this all <laughs> the, the Beach time. Boys repeat. Yeah. So we're like, that's great. Good trip. So that's amazing. That- so yeah. yeah, talking on the arts and then the sports as well, going into college or university and your stance, did you guys go into sports, Alex and Danny? Did you play piano through college at all, or no? No, we <laughs> no, we did we did the opposite. I I actually okay. did a, um, a bachelor of psychology, and was you know practiced as a psychologist for seven years. So I worked in the health system in our hospitals, and that was you know I hope my mom doesn't listen to this podcast, <laughs> but um, I feel I I think I. Within me, I think I I was interested in PR, so public relations and graphic design, yeah. which wasn't really a big field back then. You know, it was just kind of emerging, but, um, you know, in terms that you could study it at uni. Yeah, or, yeah. there were no yeah, agencies or there was no, like, there was no, like... Yeah, it, it was more like, yeah. But my, my parents thought it would be great, and this is from their frame, that you should go and do something that has a job at the end. You know, you yeah. do, like, it's, you know, you study psychology, you become a psychologist. Um, I was always told that I was very caring because, you know, I had to often look after my brother and help with that. So I think I had this natural tendency to be a caregiver. I have a lot of empathy, probably a little mm. bit too much at times. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it was, <laughs> I kind of fell into that and, you know, I enjoyed it. It's, it is, I mean, the mind is incredible. Like the, the, that industry and just realm is fascinating, scary can be very dark, can be very positive. Um, and I worked in acute mental health, which is people who are, you know, really not wanting to be here. Yeah. And that was very heavy being quite young uh, and not having a lot of life experience. Um, I worked with some great people. And I think I, I looked around and I realized that- I, yeah, I always, yeah, like, to re- I always yeah. like to relate it back to stories. And then this is Definitely. where I, I remember like one time, like Danny came home and was telling me about like one of her days. Like this is kind of like a really like the story I always tell because it's what stuck with me through all the years. It was like she got it, she said like this this guy called the hotline and he said, "Look, I've just taken all these tablets, right? And you you have to stay on the line, and I'm not telling you where I am." Wow. And like it was like 25 years old. It's a lot of pressure for stay, oh, yeah. You know, it's a huge and, and, yeah. and our and, team found him. And, it was yeah. Yeah. It was and, very, yeah. And to that point, like I always like to say, like, if you need help, please go get it. I think that's really important to use the podcast, like just to spread that. But yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm more just saying, like, it's a very heavy, very taxing job. Yeah. It was wow. not not an outlet for Danny. No, and I recognize she was like the catch admit for everyone else's outlet. Yeah. Yeah. You take on a little bit of it and you get great supervision. And over time, I realized that to stay in that field, I would have to probably do something. I looked around at other people worked part time in something and they did part time psychology. And I thought, okay, that's a good balance. And that would be that that will help me stay here and maintain my own sanity and health, uh, which is where, you know, we we trickled into I I was exploring what else can I do? But yeah, yeah. Yeah. Alex, on the other hand, he studied 
Finance. I just I just studied business. Yeah, like I, I'm I'm like a cookie cutter college. <laughs> uh, like I like to say there was something like deep. Well, mental, your dad did but, economics, yeah, so I yeah, think you did. You yeah, actually exactly. fell. I think I think I think I think my story was I really like. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I think that's very much like crafted in like. Yeah, it's really challenging at the age of like eighteen or nineteen to be like, what do you want? For sure, definitely. <laughs> and, and and um, I think that's a lot of pressure put on uh, by like the system, the education system, to make a choice. I think my parents were very much well. Look, if you don't know what you want to do, this is a degree that you will have choices with. So you won't have like you won't be able to get like just any job, but you'll be able to get a job somewhere doing something, and so. I did that. And then, you know, when we both like exited college or university, you know, like we were exiting into like the GFC, like back in the day. Yeah, we finished our studies. Yeah. We, all, we both had to find jobs. We didn't know each other at that time. We both yeah. found our first jobs at the same time. And it was, you know, when the market was, yeah, for, for, in health, yeah, it was okay. It was when but... Lehman Brothers was like imploding. I remember I was yeah. about to interviews. I, I was looking down at my name tag on the day and being like, what am I interviewing for today? Because yeah. I was just trying to get a job. <laughs> yeah. So it's that kind of market. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And then I ended up getting a job um, as an accountant at Ernst & Young doing like uh, basically like tax and, and accounting stuff. And, okay. And that was like the start of that. And um, that's going to transition into how we got to Kalani Keenan's, which <laughs> this is like a long story to go back <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah. But um, one day, like in the future, I remember like we were going to Hawaii, as like Danny was talking about. And so Hawaii, I'll quickly interject. Hawaii became out. So Alex and I are working full time jobs. You know, in Australia, we get to have four weeks off a year. We're very lucky. I know. Yeah, I know, I know yeah. it's 10 days. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you maximize that time to travel. Um, and, you know, we were, you know, young. We have no kids. We're just the two of us. So we're like, we'll just work, work, work. And then we get to spend two weeks, two to three weeks somewhere traveling. And we always chased, we both love the sun, the beach, kind of escaping life, you know, everything yeah. that wasn't where we were, not the city, not buildings, not the suburbs. So we would, you know, travel to Hawaii. We've got beautiful islands around Australia. It was just every year kind of where could we go and chase the sun. And we ended up in Hawaii this year. Yeah. And Alex... Yeah, I did something again, going back to me being like a weird, petulant person. <laughs> I just kind of walked in. So I was working at Ernst Young in Sydney and I like Googled and I said, does EY have an office in Hawaii? And yeah. oh, it turns out it doesn't. It was amazing. Like you walk in and it's like the typical, exactly what you expect. Everyone's wearing like a Hawaiian shirt, but it was like the EY brand colors. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, this is yeah. great. <laughs> Can I work here? And like, <laughs> So I walked in and introduced myself and they were quickly I look um, like, and, you know, the office was not big. Like it was probably like 15, 20 people. It wasn't a big space. Okay. Um, what they ended up connecting me with, so they ended up being like a satellite office of the Los Angeles office. And the way um, kind of it ended up happening was, is, you know, I spent a lot of time like talking to like people in LA being like, Oh, I'd love to go work in Hawaii. I'd love to go do this. I really love like, you know, we love that kind of lifestyle. Um, I do like to work. Don't get me wrong. Definitely. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, but it's Definitely. like, it's going to have a balance, but and it was, yeah, yeah. They, they saw an opportunity where Alex could bring his Australian tax knowledge and use it for Australian residents who were also us residents. Yeah. And wow. it was really 
for us, we were, you know, I was kind of pushing Alex, you know, in the background thinking, you know, we were, work was heavy for me. So I was looking maybe at a way of, you know, breaking the cycle and we were having the same year, you know, we were working, going away, working, going away. And, yeah. you know, around me, I watched, um, a friend of mine started a, a business where he made beef jerky. Mm. Um, and we, you know, he, he was a fellow accountant of Alex and a yeah. high school friend. His wife was a friend of mine. And I watched them create this. They literally made the jerky at home, packaged it, popped a sticker on it and sold it. And we helped them a little bit with that. And Very that cool. was, I think that was the first time I'd had this experience of making something and selling it that, you know, and yeah. it was successful. And yeah. I thought, okay. And they actually had an opportunity to travel to America and they did an MBA and went off. So that ended, but that gave us, I think a little taste plus this kind of drive at the back of my mind that we had to do something different. We loved Hawaii. So we would just, this kind of storm was brewing. I think of something had to happen and change. And that's Definitely. kind of where Alani kind of popped out of. <laughs> yeah. 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 So being in Hawaii then and mentioning the business with your friends, what yeah. led you to going with bikinis exactly? Was there a problem that happened and what was that? Yes. Um, it's a very first world problem. Yeah, I, I acknowledge yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It, yeah. And if, I always feel silly thinking like, no. I don't want to trivial, you know, trivialize swimwear as an industry because it is a billion dollar industry. More. Like, More. yeah, but it is yeah. bikini. Um, I think I had no experience in fashion. Um, swimwear is quite, I think, you know, it's an entry point into the fashion world because that there's, you know, if you think of designing clothing and all of that, you could get consumed in all the different types and it, it's just overwhelming. Swim yeah. is very small. The cuts are very simple. There's not a lot to get kind of lost in. Yeah. So I think that was a, it was a great point. Plus, because we spent, it was what I knew and loved. It was my yeah. outlet. Uh, I would order, you know, Online shopping was kind of starting up. Started. Yeah, you know, we're talking back to 2014, 2015. Yeah. Um, and, you know, e-commerce grown so quickly. So, and it was unusual to buy swimwear online because it was such a personal, intimate product, something you yeah. usually would like to try in store. Uh, I bought, I think being time poor, as most people are, I bought a few bikinis online, spent a ridiculous amount of money. And I think was really kind of, I felt lost with words when I opened this package that was, you know, I'd spent, I bought, you know, maybe two or three bikinis, maybe paid a hundred dollars for a top, 150. Like I just didn't feel there was value in what I got. Mm. So I thought, did you pay for that? Like, no. Yeah. I also, <laughs> ordered, yeah. when, when we traveled, I would order some books because you've got some extra time to read. Mm. Um, I ordered Timothy Ferris's four hour work week because I think I'd spotted that, you know, in 2015 in a newspaper article. So, you know, again, it was just being away. And we still listen to his podcast today as well. So yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I, I had this book. I was up, you know, wearing the bikinis and a bit kind of felt jilted by the price and the, the cost of them and really just had this, uh, you know, what can I do? you know, what, what is something that I could do? And I just thought, you know, let's it initially, I thought that I would wholesale swimwear and bring a brand that existed from Hawaii to Australia. I made an inquiry whilst we were away on holidays for that brand. The, the cost of the product to wholesale was too much for what yeah. I thought I was in Australia would pay for it. So I was like, okay, let's take it a step back. Let's go straight to the factory. Makes this swim Yeah, I just read this book. It talks about Alibaba. It talks about Shopify. Yeah. Like all things that, you know, Timothy Ferris is like. It, it, all words yeah. that I never heard 
well. So yeah. it's literally just, you know, I think just searching, um, you know, Alibaba, manufacturing, and just, you know, our first emails with our manufacturer that we still work with today started um, in a hotel room 2015. So Wow. Was that through Alibaba then, like a manufacturer through them? Yeah. Very cool. Yes. Yeah. That's a, that. That's another world and very hard to yeah. navigate. Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> definitely. Alibaba was more of a wild west as well. Like there was like escrow payments. There was no reviews. There I think we did like, Western Union transfers. Uh, and, and that is, yeah. it's really, I mean, it's luck of the draw that, um, that platform, it, oh yeah, it's, oh, it certain, yeah. we haven't been on it for so long. No, we, well, we sourced bu- yeah, bucket hats recently through there, but mm. I'm a lot more aware of, you know, there's factory versus agent, what yeah. pictures they post versus what they produce. You have to be quite, you know, have a Definitely. little bit of, yeah, dig, get yeah. some advice before you Definitely. go, yeah, bananas on there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what first products did you guys offer then at launch? Was it just a couple products in line or what did that look like? We had, well, Alex, I know this. Yeah, I think like we started off quite small. I think, you know, so Danny came to me with this idea of like, I want to do swimmer online. I'm like, like all self-respecting accounts. And so I was like, let's do an Excel spreadsheet. Let's make sure that we can break even do all these things. Cause I was like, who's going to buy swimmer online? Like I was like, you know, so to Danny's credit, I always say it's very much Danny's idea and her ideation. And um, she's done amazing to, to build where she is today. Um, back then we launched with something quite small. I think it was about 10 bottoms and 10 tops. I think we took $10,000 from our, like what we were going to spend on our next holiday. Yeah. And we were like, how do we like put that into, um, uh, you know, how do we put that into, into starting this business? And, you know, mm. it, it was all really simple at the start. I came home one day, Danny had like, I came home from work and Danny's got four brand names on a computer screen. She's like, which one do you like? What do you think? So I was looking for that. alliteration, Hawaiian yeah. inspired. And, yeah. You know, I came home another day. She'd set up a Shopify website on her own. I was like, what's Just with the two week free trial. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, let's go. We're on Shopify plus with, I think, four, four stores. No, yeah, six now. Six, yeah. There you so, go. Wow. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, it, every day it was like, I think, I think people go like, what's your plan? And I think it was really funny because our goal when we started the business wasn't to take over the swimwear world. And I think a lot of people like set that expectation. I'm going to zoom out of the gates and I'm going to do like something nuts. Yeah. For us, it was, how do I make 20 or 30 grand a year extra to go to Hawaii with? So we can go for a little bit longer. Like it was very much meant to be a lifestyle. So for the first like two or three years, we were just kind of like, Puttering along, and you know, so like there was, um, there was design, there was consistent effort, and there was all these things. But the brand, we didn't start off with some extravagant collection. It was literally it was a part-time side hustle, and it was just to sell through what we'd ordered, and and we had a plan. With our first, you know, our ten thousand dollars, that was all of our savings, and it was really if if we can't sell it online, we can go to markets. I can put it on eBay. I can gift it. And yeah, that's, you know, I've been giving like... it out for years. Uh, and we really, and to say with design, we what set us apart was you can go to a factory and you can choose colors out of swatches, but we worked with artists so that we had something unique. That was a, a big difference. Yeah, so we, we really, bottoms, yeah, we, we did. Yeah, we, we made a seamless full coverage bottom. So we did a little bit of innovation. It wasn't, 
you know, too wild to say, Alex, copy what Alex has been saying. But yeah, we had, we had points of difference, which was important and set us apart and were also pretty, um, which helped us with, you know, our product was, um, it stood was out. yeah, it stood out. And, and we were very lucky that Instagram was, it really, we, we feel like we missed, you know, the wave of Instagram was 2012, 2013. If you could get on there, yeah. I've got this, yeah. The world this is your year, oyster. This <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. we were lucky to come in in 2015 and still ride that way. But, you know, I reached out to someone that I'd been following and I just assumed you'd send them product and they'd say, sure, I'll wear that. You know, then they sent back, yeah, I love that, but here's this fee. And I learned very quickly what influencers were. Oh, wow. What, yeah, the world of Instagram was. Even it, in 2015. Yeah, I don't think people really knew that was kind of happening behind the scenes, yeah. um, which is well known now. But um, it's we we separated. We decided that we'd give twenty five percent of our stock. Mm. So in our first order, which is ten thousand dollars, we said that we'd give twenty five percent away to Influences. influencers, whether it be okay. micro influencers, sorority groups doing something, just anything that we could do to get a little bit of traction and buzz around yeah. the product and brand. And we still maintain that that we gift and give away a lot of you know oh, our not product. So not as much now because yeah not not to that scale we might do a little bit of it but yeah for the first yeah. couple of years yeah, it was first, yeah. really being okay to to build that into yeah, what absolutely. we were yeah, 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 yeah. That, that structure will li really help a lot of our listeners actually influencer marketing is huge for industry or direct consumer brands and i'm curious getting those fees driven to you at first did you eventually ship them out for free with no pay to micro influencers or what did that kind of look like yeah. I think it was funny, right? So like the world of Instagram has certainly like shifted, uh, I think in the last three years. So I think it's always good to understand like when we started the, the age of like the macro influencer was still okay. You could yeah. get people with like, you know, when someone who had like half a million, which was a huge amount of followers back in 2015, 16, and they yeah. posted still really like was like, it could really work and it could really um, not um, the fees now. Like I think, and what what I found was happening in the media, like you know, um, uh, like news outlets are starting to write about Instagram influencers and like, oh, it's a bit of a bit of like you know, um, it's a bit of a cloudy, smoky area, like you know. And so then I, I think in the last couple of years that that rise of like the smaller micro influencer is yeah, there's a lot more engagement. It's a lot more engagement. They yeah, they're more locally based. You know, they're more dedicated and, following. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we we definitely still use those. And on the whole, probably use micro influencers a lot more than what we even use like the big macros. So yeah. we have one or two big partnerships where we build capsules with a couple of like larger influences, but for now we really do work with the work with us. But our, initially though, to go back to your question, Kevin, we, we mm -hmm. how I say it, I describe it as we gift with no strings attached. So yeah, yeah. it's, okay. there's so many people get hung up on writing like an agreement. I'll send you this product and you have yeah. to do this and this. So it is, if you love, it's not even if you love it, share it. It's just, please have this. Yeah. And that that's it. There's just nothing. Yeah, yeah, and you really have to be, you have to let go and not resent anything or be upset if, you know, you see it on, you know, for sale or being given yeah. away or anything. It's just, yeah. you have to that, be happy with that choice yeah. to, to let think, that. Yeah, I think we are lucky. We have a very visual-based product. So, yeah. like, what you always have to say is, like, if your product is visually based or can be put in a photo really nicely, um, like, 
on someone's an outfit people want to share they want to make content right so it's organically going to appear in you know we were i love seeing our swimmer pop up in vlogs because yeah if, with bikinis girls are going about their day they're capturing content and then there it is someone says oh i love your swimsuit where's it from and it just kind of flows but if you sure. were if you were selling mugs that this might be a little bit harder to just naturally unless it's you know an office shot or it's in the shot while they're you know yeah. behind them so they it, it, we're very fortunate that swim is a product girls and guys now with trunks yeah. want to share so sure. that i yeah. think we have the leverage of that which is yeah and people like to go traveling and when they travel they love to take photos of themselves yeah. i think you know i think you got to play to the strengths of what your product are and i think it's always like trying to break down where does my product fit how do i how do i make it simple so i think you know i i never want to say like, this is every journey of every product, product but yeah. like you you definitely just like the way that we look at it as like we have a product that's visual people are going to take photos on holidays like or even just on the weekend because everyone wants that kind of like you, you just try and find a, a life is slower on the weekend yeah. you can document what you've been doing yeah, yeah. so we, we are grateful for that yeah that, so um, that. yeah it's amazing so i would like to talk on logistics so starting in your early days were you guys packaging and shipping yourselves and kind of what did that look like yes yeah. <laughs> i love it, it. yeah we would yeah. get up um so we stored all of our product in our garage and we lived in a, a, an apartment or a unit above it. And Alex and I would, usually I would probably be up a little bit earlier. I would write up some orders in the morning. You know, we'd get five, five orders, it'd be, you know, amazing. Oh, yeah. First yeah. First, yeah. So we would, Alex would um, usually take them to work because he, he worked above, Ernst Young's office was above a post office or at the hospital I worked at, I had a lunch break and had a, a post office across the road. So we would take Oh, turns. let's not pretend. It was definitely- It was mainly yeah, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> I remember going to work. Yeah, it was funny. The first couple of times it was like three, you know, like three or four. And then I'd end up going to work with like a duffel bag of parcels and then like a bigger duffel bag. Like it's... People in the office knew because Alex would be like, I'm just going out on my lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> just so, oh, I glued a hole today, Babbage. Like, yeah. like Santa Claus with a, you know, sack of things on my Oh, back. man. In like a suit and tie on the train going to work, like it was funny. It was, it was a. We we did that. We we still in we still um, we don't have third party fulfillment. We ship so our warehouse and office. Our warehouse is underneath, and our office is on top. Okay. So we are really close to our product, and yep. that offers a lot of advantages because if you know we have people online shop in a hurry or they're shopping on their phones, they might make an error in an order and then quickly you know email yeah. after it to change something. Wow. Yeah. So we. We have that as long as we haven't had the postman come to pick it up, we can ruffle through bags, you know, get orders out, make changes, which really delights the customer. Whereas sure. when you use the third party, which has lots of advantages because, you know, it gives you a lot more time and space. Yeah. I think you, you don't have, you're not as responsive as you potentially can be. So there's pros mm. and cons to that. Definitely. But yeah, we, we love packing our orders still. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I think like to the point, it's like, you know, I remember like when we started when we said we started, which was, it's meant to be lifestyle. So like, you know, a lot of people like start out the gates, I've got to find fulfillment, I've got to do this. Like we probably have done, um, we've done a good job getting to where we are now. We've probably done everything like in words we would say is wrong in terms of, you know, like how to start a business, which is like, we kind of really start working in, in the, the business. business. We're only just kind of coming but, out of it. But, mm. but like yeah, it has its advantages. And I think like when you are small, you can, 
be super nimble. You can provide amazing service. You can do all these things. And in like a weird way, it's kind of really what allowed us to get to where we got to like super organically. And I think like, yeah, I, I mean, I worked, I, I've only just come out of customer care. So I worked yeah. most emails that were answered, we answered under uh, like um, anonymous names, like so that, you know, yeah. it would be that, yeah. And yeah, this is also, we, we now have like a team of like, no, we have a team of 10 plus girls that do our customer care emails, yeah. but I worked, you know, I think it was really great to wear many hats. So be packing orders and not be afraid to do that kind of work and outsource that super quickly because any issues or any feedback, it was right away. We were on top of it. And yeah. I almost like, I'm not losing touch with that now, but you, you get, I have to get like feedback through, mm. you know, meetings and things about what we need to do. But I really, it, 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 we were in the business probably a little bit too much, but it also gave us the ability yeah. to offer what we do to our customers, which they are really core mm. about of the heart of our business. Yeah, absolutely. So and you get such definitely. a good understanding. Like you, you, you start to realize like, and it's the most basic stuff um, that we were realizing. Like we had, you know, like back in the day, you couldn't have multi-currency on a Shopify store, you know, and yeah. we would have all these American girls browsing our store in USD and it would get to the checkout and it would default back to Australian dollars, for instance. And you'd have all these girls being like, I was going to check out, but the price of my bikinis just changed and went up. Uh, and it, yeah. And it was just the, it was the same price. It was just the FX was like kicking in the, and the currency was changing, but it like, it was the smallest things. And I used to sit on like our online chat on our website and I see these things. Like, I was like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> and it, you know, it was all that stuff. And it goes through that whole platform. Like when you are small and when you do this stuff and, you know, we didn't start the business with any kind of experience. We didn't really know anything about doing online retail. It was not yeah. like today. There was not as many like online articles and stuff Pod like amazing podcasts. Yeah, there was no. Journals. Yeah, the only yeah. podcast we listened to was the the Shopify podcast back in the day. Shopify <laughs> yeah. masters, you know, like and yeah, I just remember. Um, yeah, yeah. So being being small has its advantages in working in the business. Like I said, so. A lot of people like have this thing where like, you know, maybe we did everything wrong, but I, I feel yeah. like we did everything yeah. right. Don't be because... quick to automate everything or jump out of things as quickly, you know, third party fulfillment yeah. I think has a lot of hidden little costs that you might not be aware of, yeah. you know, which is like storage, unpacking, sure. stocking, stock tape. Like there's little mm -hmm. things that you really have to be across and make yeah, sure definitely. if you're going to go that route, which is amazing because it gives you the freedom to then travel and be away from your product. Yeah. Then yeah. make sure you build that into the cost of your product yeah Just and i think it goes back to what kind of business do you want to start you yes. know and if you do want that lifestyle that's what you do we we kind of had a little handcuff with our business, Alex and I spent a year uh, just in LA. So that was, we, we got the, we, we did get the transfer to the, the transfer. Ernst & Young office. <laughs> yeah. And that was uh, probably nine months into the business launching on Shopify, wow. which, and we credit that time in America to really propelling the business forward because we got to attend trade shows, which is something yeah. that don't really exist in Australia. And, but with that, we had to, we had to still dispatch our orders and we had my parents uh, doing that so that's you know nod back to my mom oh wow. i'm thankful for that and they you know i was very fortunate to have family help and you know <laughs> begging them to to ship orders still every few days so yeah, yeah. Sure. very family in that way like and 
you know, I think that's the other thing. Like when you start a business, it's that whole thing. Um, you start the business, but it ends up being like your family started a business. Yeah. Um, yeah. They just they just don't get paid for it for a while. <laughs> and it's that whole thing. Like you really need a good support system it's, around you. And I, I, I give you know hats off to people who start businesses on their own because I think it must be super hard. Like we're very lucky that we have each other. Co-founders right? yeah. are you know pros and cons for that if it's yeah your partner then you know it's 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 very intricate but um yeah i think having a co-founder shares shares the load a little bit and twice as long but you get double (laughs) the information (laughs) (laughs) definitely i would love to touch on the importance of showing up to trade shows in the states saying that they didn't offer them in your home country um talking on like going international what do the trade shows mean for like the future and success of klonikini's Ah, that's yeah. We owe we owe a lot to that. <laughs> yeah, we owe a lot to that. Like we, I, I got two really like funny stories, like not funny, just like interesting stories about how for us trade shows really changed what Our we trajectory. Did. I can Our set trajectory. the scene. So Alex yeah. is in. We live yeah. in downtown LA. Alex is walking to work every day. I'm left in a studio apartment by myself. I've had to leave psychology uh, because I can't work in the states because of the we're not married. So the visa that I'm on is mm. I can support the Australian business that I'm running, but that is all I can do. Yeah. Um, so I'm just left, you know, nine to five, or actually it's like eight till 10, oh, the hours say, are crazy, yeah. just to do <laughs> um, just to do stuff. So I was really lucky I had this bubble where I could build the business. So that time and space was really special. And we had heard of trade shows. So I think I literally searched trade show swimwear and there was one in Huntington Beach, which is a couple of hours south of where we were living. and. It was, yeah, this just, that's where Alex can say. Yeah, so that was like, this, it's called the Swim Collective, which was um, at the time in Huntington Beach. Um, we, you know, it so happened at the time that show was owned and run by another Australian guy. I think he had a bit of a soft spot for Australian brands because there weren't many coming to them. Um, yeah. The registrations for the show had closed like, months prior like you know like danny's like two weeks before the show starts you know hey you got a booth there's always a little bit of luck and and knowing yeah and and he was like look no not really but um if you send you know we can try and like literally attack a booth onto somewhere so i think chaitros always have room to kind of you know add a booth somewhere so don't be afraid if you see a closing date or you've missed something don't be afraid to reach out and just ask I think that's yeah, it. yeah, and then you know the mad scramble was how do we wire the money from Australia to there? And, <laughs> but it's it so happened that when we got there, we got put on this booth, which was like not designed really to be there, but was in a really good location because of it. It was kind of like at the top of this staircase where, as everyone kind of walked through the show, they walked up this staircase, and then all the majors, and I. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, all the majors were in the lower part, which was like Billabong, Seafolly, like really big brands. Oh wow. Yeah. little startup brands were at the top and we just happened to be facing the staircases Alex mentioned where they would leave the big ballroom and come up and so everyone saw our logo and our, our you know pictures and we have amazing content and photos yeah. wow. I think and I was obnoxious you know like I harassed everyone you, that came up the you have to, you have like, to say hi yeah, that's yeah you definitely. can't be shy yeah. and I think trade shows like anything are relationships yeah. so you un- unfortunately there is a pecking order in that if it's your first show you kind of put on the outskirts and then as yeah. you come back next year you build the relationship with the person who helped get you your booth and then you get a little bit further in and yeah. in and in so it's about mm. 
again, consistency, building relationships, yeah. and also consistency for the boutiques and wholesalers and people who are visiting. They they want to see that you're at if you're at different trade shows and you're turning up every year, they have faith that your brand and business and product is surviving and going well yeah. because trade shows are costly. It costs Definitely. a lot of money to go. It is a big investment. Our, we always said we just need to break even. We can cover the costs of yeah. the, the booth and with any purchase orders, then we're winning. So never don't have crazy expectations. Yeah. Have just, you know, realistic. And, and, and it's about the follow-up after. You can go, yeah. you can have this amazing booth, but it's really about getting as many phone numbers, contacts, and then just persistently having a plan. Yeah. And, and there's a little bit of luck, which yeah. helps. Yeah. And, and our yeah. first show, like when we went there, like it was what Danny said though, we, we broke even, we got a couple of orders from like, um, smaller chain stores maybe places that had four to six stores i think like mm -hmm. honolulu surf and it was like diane's beach where we had a few kind of like key wins but the the next time we came back um this is kind of like where you know i think people like to say is it hard work or luck and it's very much a combination of both and, and anyone yeah. that says luck doesn't play a part is is absolutely like there is the, the stars have to align yeah, stars yeah. Have to, um you work to make your luck and so we went back to the show the next i think six months later and it was so it's like it's so like weird to talk about now um but at that time we ended up like being again like not in the main part of the show just on the outskirts but we set we we set up our booth and we're sitting like i'm um, setting up in this in this this friendly guy next door is in the booth next door he pops his head on and goes oh hello you know how are you going and all this stuff like <laughs> And it ended up being um, Tan. Tan, who uh, Tan France, who is oh on, yeah, yeah, queer eye, queer eye, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he used know. to have a friend, yes, Kingdom and State, and it's all about you know people get in the industry. People are very scared to talk to people. They think that everyone's going to you know steal each other's secrets or copy yeah. products. But we're very open, and you know we like to share and care. And so we and so did he. And so did he. We we're very yeah. lucky. And, and so and well, it was fun. He was telling us like, oh, look, you know, uh, he, he didn't really like, he loved talking to Danny. Like I was like, <laughs> chat, and he was like, like, Danny, come here, come here, come here, come here. And, and I would bring my like, little book and he, in between, you know, cause it was quite, it gets quiet at trade shows if there's no foot traffic. Definitely. And we weren't in the main ballroom again. We'd moved up. We weren't in the, we weren't in the, the lower part. We were in the middle section together, <laughs> but Tan would take, you know, he let me pick his brains and he, and his thing was pay it forward. He said, I'll give you this knowledge you, you know, as long as you help someone in the future. So it was, yeah, it was a really yeah. great experience. And wow. he actually pointed out, you know, at trade shows, you're all in your booths and then people are walking and it's about kind of getting attention. And this young lady walked past who was just, you know, you wouldn't, uh, you know, most people kind of pay attention to people in suits or, you know, who look like they're, mm. you know, important. They know their things. Yeah. And it ended yeah. up being um, a young girl called Esther and she's the daughter of, Forever 21's owners. So wow. that was out at the time, you know, Forever 21 has gone through its own kind of challenges with COVID and yeah. fast fashion and that. Yeah. But at the time, uh, that it was still doing really well. And Tan pointed her out to me and he said, if you can get her attention and, and meet her, then things will be good. And so, and because he liked our product and he thought that it would be a good fit. So, you know, I kind of, I'm not very assertive, <laughs> but I threw myself out in front of her and, and, yeah. and, she came in and, uh, you know, we were very lucky. We got a purchase order with Forever 21 and that wow. put us on, uh, we, they were trialing us as a branded swimwear item on their e-com store to lift their cart value. 
And with that exposure, how many people do they have through their website? Um, you know, like I think it was like 30 or 40 million a month. Yeah, they had a wow. crazy traffic. And we were put on their homepage, like banner, like News Swim. And it was, and, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, and that's really where we saw the uplift in our brand, like the, yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah, yeah. being. Amazing. Yeah, we, we've since don't, you know, we've parted ways with Forever 21 in that yeah. we do, you know, it's... We, we well, they do went bankrupt for a start. So, yeah, that was... There was a whole slew of reasons. Yeah, but I, I think, um, you know, they were they were a great partner in terms of they kept our price points, they kept our stuff, they were really looking to offer something that... And, and it goes back to like the core of what we do was all about like democratizing designer swimwear. Like and we're very, really... we consider ourselves slow fashion. We still have prints that we have from our very first collection. We still sell them. So we, wow. we're not about like, we do have freshness and newness and that's, you know, we're inspired by different things and launch different collections, but we hold on to, you know, the little stars because we think yeah. there's no need to just keep creating new for the sake of it. We can for just sure. let things that are great, yeah that's amazing so we thought, yeah, we, yeah. We, we were we were very chuffed because we sold forever some very old prints and we were like you know we're slowing down a big giant which is just a really nice yeah yeah. yeah and so they oh sorry yeah, yeah. no no go ahead no so so they 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 did that and i remember the day it went live it was like we we were back in australia at that point handwriting out orders handwriting wow. out orders I think we, you know, we went from having like a couple of hundred people a day on the website to a couple of thousand. And like, wow. that was like the the starting point of everything. And, and you know, this was like to the part where it's not always the pretty part of the journey. I remember like we 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 had a house at the, and I, I said an apartment at that stage and we took out, because the, the purchase order was so large, um, we took out, um, not like a second mortgage. We, we, we redrew on our mortgage. We so made that, our mortgage bigger. So that we could oh. pay production. And that's just a little part to let, to you know, great big purchase orders are amazing, but make sure you do your research. You yeah. consider things like you can get factoring for your, for your orders or, yeah, make sure you talk to people for some help and some advice because if for some reason a purchase order is, an order is refused, you're then left with a lot of product which you've paid for that isn't yeah. going anywhere. Yeah. It, it's a, it's like a dance. So yeah. we always, you know. So I, there was yeah. a hairy moment. We went down to like our last like five or 10 grand in our bank account at that point. We were like, oh, <laughs> we went from like, you know, being like, we're okay, we're totally fine too. So oh, like, I hope this works. Yeah, you have yeah. to take a little bit of risk probably for reward, plus luck, yeah. plus you know, consideration. Plus hard work, yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. When that opportunity happened, was there like a delay in inventory or did the launch not go live until inventory was ready? What did that look like? No, it was fine. In terms of like, it was just complicated because you were talking to a guy from Australia about how do I get product into America? <laughs> and, 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 and we manufacture in China. So yeah, that we manufacture in China. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And then Forever 21 or any big vendor sends you like a 50 page document on it's got to be tagged this way, it's got to be boxed this way. If you don't do this, you lose you're dead. Adult, <laughs> like, you, you lose, you oh, get yeah. penalized for, you know, if the box doesn't have this description on it. Yeah, There's just yeah. so many, you have to be really, they call it like a vendor agreement. You, yeah. you learn really fast about a lot of things. And I and um, yeah. I think, you know, to that point, it's like nothing nothing went wrong, but I think like- It's okay I, to make a few mistakes. I read that yeah. document 
so many times <laughs> to make sure it didn't, but know, I think I, and we you know I would sit there with my manufacturer and I, I even to that point like and it's funny right this is what we did actually now that I think about it this is what's crazy sometimes sometimes just thinking you remember stuff reflecting reflecting yeah. yes we had to leave we left the USA and flew to China to actually help our manufacturers. So I was on a, on, I was on our floor in our factory. To right? make sure we packaged and barcoded things correctly. You know, I was wow. sticking my stickers yeah. onto so the, the back of our yeah. labels. Again, like things you're like, wow, mate, you shouldn't definitely not probably do this. <laughs> but but making but, that ensures that the commitment yeah. is there. But yeah. what we learned from Forever 21 and we're now on, we're on ASOS and we're, we've got some big vendors. It's really great to be on almost like marketplaces that are not yeah. just, you know, that have lots of eyes and traffic. That's will definitely leverage your brand and get your, you know, visibility, I guess definitely. is really yeah and we started as a brand that was different you know and i think like if you have a product that's a little bit different to what's in the market you know buyers from all different types of stores are interested in that you know and i think like it's funny people usually start brands because they can't find what they're looking for like and the irony is then you know you are probably actually extremely um like not i don't want to say valuable but like you offer us some really good opportunity to to, to stores to be like that's really different i like yeah. that you know? and you have to yeah. think our experience with working with buyers from big majors they are the buyer and a major for swimwear that is just her world every day she's looking at swim so they know so many brands you really have to 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 be different and not for just sure. you know yeah, that, that really, it, there's so many great brands out there. So you really have to have on-point photography, just, you know, just separate yourself in some way if you can yeah. and maintain relationships. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Really yeah, it is great. Yeah. So, so and... Sorry, wait, wait. Oh, no. you go. No, I was going to say there's so many great points in there. Um, something I'd like to collect is if you could share one piece of advice with an inspiring entrepreneur, uh, what what that might be something you've guys learned or regret along the way. Okay. I, I think the big thing that I've learned is like, if you work hard and you keep like, and if you let time pass and, and just continue like not to grind, I think there's a big, big emphasis on grinding, but I think it's more just like consistency and um, staying in the game works. You know, yeah. and and we've had our bikinis on girls with 30 million followers and we've been in huge things and we've done lots of stuff. None of it is a silver bullet, you yeah. know. And, you know, if, if you're looking at any brand or any business, it's like you'll have success. Like you can have quick success too, but I'm not saying, but like the longer, you know, the, our story was, and I think most people's stories are, is like if you consistently work and you just stay in the game, you learn more about your product and you will get to where you want to get to. I think the big mm. thing that um, people often don't do is just articulate what you want, write it down, look for it, visualize it. You may not get there tomorrow, but you will get there. And it's yeah. just a measure of like visualizing. Yeah. Awesome. And I would add to that a big <clears throat> contribution to our success is also having amazing people around us to help. So yeah. we do have staff. We have a team of 25 Yeah. Now. And we're very lucky, you know, it, it's finding good people who can help and believe in the brand as well. And, you know, really making them, you become like a little work family in a sense. So it's just about looking after each other and having talented people, but also people that you can trust and respect you and respect the brand and want the same goal that we do want, which is. For sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Definitely. Well, Alex and Danny, thank you guys so much for joining me today. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Kulani Kinis at kulanikinis.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.